This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and. Austin Mace, who is going to be that guy. And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins him and tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Brunner, are you ready to go head to head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street. We ran out of time. We'll get to rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that's mutually pleasurable. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate brought to you by CampusScan.com. That's Matt Burning, that's Austin Ace, and Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp. On a laughable version of tonight's show, we cover the ACC, and is there going to be a new offensive coordinator at Miami? But, of course, we start with Mario Williams, who's headed to USC. And Austin Ace, um, you've been kind of one of the most skeptical about Mario Williams' prospects as a Debbie asset, really as a potential NFL player. How do you feel about his landing spot back with Lincoln Riley? What was that? You're breaking up. I'm just messing with you. Um, <laughs> Felix didn't think that was funny. It's okay. I did. Uh, Felix with the technical difficulties leading up to tonight's show. Um, so what the hell? I, what? what, what, I don't know. We're going to ignore Felix. Um, what else is new? I don't have, a strong opinion on this either way. I mean, I'm I, Felix calls me skeptical on Mario Williams. I think he's fine. He's like a tier three guy for me. I, I'm curious to see exactly where he plays there at USC. I feel like him and Gary Bryant are very similar in terms of the areas of the field you want them to work. So, I mean, I, I, maybe he doesn't rate Gary Bryant. Maybe we can see Gary Bryant in the portal and go hang out with Michael Trigg, Jackson Dart. So the answer is I don't have a strong opinion on this either way. I feel like a very lateral move to me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I actually think, well, 
Shit, it's so hard because I want to say I think Gary Bryant is is the guy to roster in USC, especially after the year that he uh, looked like he was going to have last season. But the fact that Mario Williams seems to be kind of like Lincoln Riley's guy is what has me worried a little bit. But uh, it, it's kind of a meh move for me anyways. Like if Caleb Williams goes there, I know everybody is super excited about what this team could be, but I feel like we talked a lot about this on last week's episode. Like, we all seem to have very tempered expectations on how good USC is going to be, at least in 2022. So I don't know that Mario Williams has a much better season than what we saw out of him in 2021. So I'm, I've been closer to you. I mean, I remember back in his probably week four or five, or maybe even before that, when my ranking of him at like 78 overall or something like that at wide receiver was called out and I've moved him up to like 50 something. Like I, I, I'm not as big on Mario Williams as Felix is either. You're muted, Chris. Way to get it out of the way early tonight. That was intentional. Um, it's funny that you compare the role that he and Bryant will have. I actually don't think they're going to overlap much. Uh, Mario Williams played the slot 88.8% of the time, or played outside 88.8% of the time last season, and Bryant played the slot 67.6% of the time. I actually think that they're going to put him out wide. And I mean, they have a vacancy there with London moving. I mean, obviously they're not the same player considering Mario Williams is probably like six inches, seven inches shorter. Um, but I do think they're going to try to play Mario Williams outside. And he was good outside too. So if is that the role you really want him in? I'm not sure, but I'm not really worried about him and Gary Bryant playing the same role considering Lincoln rally seems fine with him outside. So that's, that's just my, that's my hunch. Is Boundary is out. Boundary the best place for him, Mario Williams? Do you think, Chris? Probably not. Um, at least not the next up. He was he was fine though. Like he wasn't bad. He had like a pretty good route running grade. Like he was able to beat corners fairly consistency. Like he's 5'9", 185. You probably want him in the slot. And like he's pretty dynamic and he has great speed and he can beat linebackers fairly easily. So I I think you would want him in the slot I, ideally, but I don't think that you have an issue playing him outside i mean he's like 50 percent on contested catches last year like i think that's kind of impressive considering how like he's again five five nine um but i do think you probably want him inside i thought oklahoma was going to play him inside they instead moved, moved marvin mims inside which was surprising to me last season but i don't know maybe i think if they want to break gary Bryant on the field that they will play him outside well it's funny that you mentioned that i mean because Felix wants us to talk about Marvin Mims here in relation to Mario Williams, since there, you know, some overlap. Um, Matt, let's go to you here first. Who do you prefer now? I mean, we don't necessarily know who Mims's QB is going to be. Is it Jackson Dart? Is it Dylan Gabriel? Is it other? Um, does that give Williams the edge right now for you? I don't even really love Marvin Mims either, but I would take Mims actually because. He's already done it on the college field. And regardless of what, I mean, obviously I'd love if it was Jackson Dart who went there. I think that'd be really good for, for Mims. But even if it's Dylan Gabriel, we've seen him be productive, right? In college. They, why is it? I always forget what the hell this dude's name is. And it drives me crazy. Offensive coordinator. I, I, I have Caleb Ellaby on the mind right now. So I'm very frustrated. Jeff, Jeff that I, there we go. Jeff Levy. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know that – I think if Dylan Gabriel's the quarterback, Marvin Mims is going to be just fine as well. He's, he's I think, likely going to be the guy for Oklahoma, so I'd still take him because I think he's got a better shot of doing something and producing this year than Mario Williams does in that offense. 
So I, I'm not in love with either. Like I'm not a Mario Williams truther or anything. Um, like I know some people like him a lot more than I do, but I thought Mario Williams was just as impressive as, uh, Mims was this year. So 12 games versus Mims 13, 13 games. He out targeted him. Um, he had a higher contested catch rate. He played out wide. I said earlier, 89% of the time he was a higher graded route runner. Mims had a really great freshman season. Um, but this year he only posted a 19.7% weighted dominator, 1.7 yard, 7.5 uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt. You're really looking for 20% and over like two in, in your sophomore year. And I was when I was digging into his 2020 numbers, he would he and Theo Weiss were the only wide receivers or like passing game options to play more than nine games. So like I really wonder if he was just a product of them needing to pass it and having a prolific offense. Um, because I didn't think he was like anything special to to be totally honest this year. He played a lot in the slot and had a pretty poor contested catch rate for a guy that has like a 38 inch vertical. So I don't know. I, I don't have a strong take, but I think I'd rather have Mario Williams, especially if he's going to Lincoln Riley. Like I'd rather trust, I'd rather put my hands and all my faith in Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley's basket versus I think I like Jeff, Jeff Levy, but I'm, I'm not ready to do that. The thing is, is if uh, Marvin Mims ends up getting that slot receiver role and like Jackson Dart goes there, you're going to end up looking foolish. But the thing I said this before we started the season that, Mario Williams could play both inside and out. He, he could be used vertically. He could run after the catch. He was more versatile than Marvin Mims. And I kind of think that this season proved that because they used Mario Williams and Jadon Hazelwood as kind of the outlet wide receivers on some of these, um, and, and Mike Woods for that matter, as the outlet wide receivers on some of these RPOs. They didn't use Marvin Mims that way. They didn't use him as a run after the catch guy. They used him to get down the field. So I just think that I think that if if this was a poker and we were if this was poker and we were using the analogy, I would say that Mario Williams has more outs than Marvin Mims does. What what do you think Marvin Mims' 40 time is currently? Because he has a verified four six seven on his profile, but he was used like his A dot from all, all these stats are from PFF, by the way. So I'm not just like pulling these out and trying these games myself. But what do you think his current 40 time is? Because he's being deployed in a downfield role. And like Mario, Mario Williams is definitely faster than him. Like he's a verified 4-4 in his resume. So I, I don't know what if Marvin Rims is like a slow, like not slow, but like a four five field stretcher at like six foot 175. Is that really a role that I want to be investing in as a like Long-term I was chastised. I was chastised for ranking Mario Williams ahead of Marvin Mims. Chastised on this very program by the people on your screens now. And look, look that's why we need Chris Moxley on this show to say, yeah, no, Mario Williams has some skill here, and it's not just me blowing smoke. I have no idea where we are on the show. Chief. I don't know why we're pretending that Mario Williams' freshman season was good. Yeah, I mean, it was you also- fine. You ranked like, him above Marvin Mims by putting hmm. him at like wide receiver 12 before he had ever taken a snap. So that's more why we criticized you, not necessarily. And I posted and I posted him. that that poll today. Well, I don't know what the results were, but Michael Analytics, uh, any, any, I don't even know how to say that. I don't know how to say Michael's name, but you say Nelly. Was with that's a, what everybody calls him. Nelly. Nelly, yes. Nelly even said that he should be in the top 10. I already had him ranked that for the season because I saw. 
what was to come. When Matthew, when Matthew had him ranked 107, I had him at 12. It was 70, thank you very much. But I did I did address no, that at yeah. the beginning of the show when you were having your technical issues. How did it sound, by the way? Did I did you hear anything that I said? I made fun of you. That yeah. was it. We heard you, I and could... then you made like weird faces, and we just were like, it's probably best that he left. So all I heard was want, want, want. I was like, oh shoot, did they hear anything? That's that I said? exactly I what Austin was saying. So you heard him perfectly. <laughs> like Snoo- it's like Snoopy. <laughs> That's exactly what I heard. Like Snoopy. Yeah. All right. So did we ask? Uh, should Mario Williams be ranked? Uh, where should Mario Williams be ranked about uh, amongst wide receivers in C two C and Debbie? Did we answer that question? We said like All right. maybe a hundred ish, but we didn't settle on an answer. So I had seventy written down. You guys just, are just spitballing. This is yeah. why. This Speaking is of terrible. which, there was somebody in this room who was criticized by one other person on your screen because he had him at seventy. Whatever, you guys. All right. Um. Would and and would you rather have all? Matt Bruning, answer this question. Would you rather have Mario Williams or Marvin Mims rostered? I already answered it. I said Marvin Mims. Well, I wasn't here. The, uh, I had technical not, That's not our fault. You were actually I wasn't, here when I, I didn't hear the answer. I, I'm appara- okay. I'm, I, I, well, I didn't hear what Austin said because my dogs were freaking out. This has been a great show, by the way, everybody. 13 minutes in, no, we've already terrible. had all these issues. So, uh, so yeah, I, I heard what Moxley said. I said Marvin Mims just because of I, I think Dylan Gabriel's produced, and I think that Levy will be able to get the best out of him. So. We'll give the full story about what happened at the start to the extent you all didn't give it. We'll give it on the after show. All right. Um other news here, Brett McMurphy, who is currently Arkansas's offensive coordinator, and either one of you guys jump in here. Um, he was, he's was he been offered the job at Miami. I think that we can now exclude Joe Brady, who had been rumored to be a candidate for Miami. They are offering uh, that job to, to Brett McMurphy. So you think about um, the running backs, uh, Rocket Sanders and A.J. Green and Dominic um, – Johnson and Traylon Smith, who just entered the transfer portal, and KJ Jefferson and Traylon Burks. I mean, that off putting together those pieces, Brett McMurphy has been at the helm of that. Austin, what would this mean for Tyler Van Dyke and company? Riles is pretty um, a versatile coordinator. Like he'll kind of adapt his system. Like I don't think he necessarily wants to rotate. You know, eighty backs and and you know necessarily just run the ball 50 times a game. I think that's kind of what he did at Arkansas because that's what they had outside of Traylon Burks. There wasn't a lot of other, um, you know, options there in the passing game. And you don't necessarily want KJ Jefferson with the ball in his hands 40 times a game anyway. Um, he was Houston's offensive coordinator for a year. They were very pass heavy there. Um, other stops. I mean, he was at Florida state for a couple of years. I believe they were, uh, you know, fairly balanced attack. Um, so I like I don't think I think he'll just kind of take what they have there and, and mold it into what their strengths are, which I do think is going to be the passing game. I just don't trust any of their their running backs on like a grand scale. Like Jalen Knighton had a pretty good year last year, but a lot of his production was receiving production. Um, so and they did bring in um, um, a Parish uh, from Ole Miss, who's like a decent Parish back, and. But- and Frank Ladson is coming in there. Yeah, Frank Ladson. I think we already know that Frank Ladson's bad at football. Like he's just not a good football player. Um, so I mean, the strength the strength of that team is going to be 
Tyler Van Dyke, Jalen Knighton in the receiving game. And then I still don't quite know who's going to be the the main target there. My, I'm going all in on Romello Brinson here because he's just so cheap. I think people are going to be buying Frank Ladson, and that's going to be bad. Don't do that. Well, Austin, you tweeted December 31st, 2021. If you believe oh, in Tyler He's Van Dyke for your tweets. CFF leagues, and t- this is on the show sheet. Like, you're going to look. You, <laughs> you believe in Tyler Van Dyke for your CFF leagues in 2022, then you should believe in his weapons too. I'm starting the hype train for Romello Brinson. Romello Brinson, a four star prospect, 6'2, 185. Um, got some playing time at times in the season. But if you look at their roster, Mike Hartley out, Charleston, Charleston Rambo out. Those were their two leading receivers. J, uh, Will Mallory, the tight end, was the third leader, reading, leading receiver. He is back. Jalen Knighton is kind of a do-it-all back. He's back. Don Chaney got hurt uh, in the in the middle of the season. He's kind of a two-down back. He's back. Keyshawn Smith, I think, was their four, fourth leading receiver. He was a freshman last year. Uh, and we expect big things. I think we expect big things from Elijah Arroyo. I know I have Eli- the tight end Elijah Arroyo ranked very highly in my rankings. And if they're going to throw the ball all over the place, listen, either Chris Moxley, either somebody is going to emerge here in this offense or Tyler Van Dyke is going to fall flat on his face. It's got to be one of the two. Um, Probably. I think it could be like this year's iteration of Will Rogers throwing like five receivers, 700 yards. Um, you know, Bri- Bryle's system is really like, it's the, ba- it's the Baylor system. It's what he ran at FAU with Lane Kiffin. Like it's a, he did not, he works with what he has really well. Like Austin said, like he made Traylon Burks work. Like KG Jefferson cannot run the Baylor system, but like that's what you're going to see when he goes there. Cause Tyler Bendek can. And so I think it's actually not a crazy transition from Rhett Lashley to um, to to this new system, right? And, and so it, this is all hypothetical because there's rumors that Bryles is just really leveraging this for a pay, grade, a pay raise at Arkansas, but their systems aren't that different. And so I'm expecting probably someone to emerge, but it could very well just be like this year's version of Mississippi State where like nobody really does, but... Makai Polk leads the offense. So I, I wish I had a stronger take because I'm feeling like Austin over here now. We're going to have to get Chris Moxley a lukewarm take segment. Austin, if you if you if we were in supplemental drafts coming up and Romello Brinson is already rostered, generally your supplemental draft are 15 picks. What pick would you trade to acquire Romello Brinson? Well, I wouldn't because I already have Romello Brinson in all my <laughs> rosters. So I'm just giving the advice to everyone in my leagues right now. Um to get him from me, I think you'd need a top 36 pick. Just because after that, you know, it's pretty speculative. We're doing a, a 10-rounder right now. Are we all in that one together? Matt is, right? Did I? Or Alfred is? PJ? I don't me? Yeah. So. Okay. I'm doing one right now. And after, like, yeah, round three, round four, it's, um, I don't want to say it's slim pickings. I mean, I like the guys I'm taking, but it's not somebody that I can project into probably a starting spot in Miami this year. Um, you're probably waiting a year. So um, I think we have to be higher than that. At that point, it's not worth it. Like if you just have Romello Brinson, you you may have struck gold um, in, in a league and you just sit on that for right now. Matthew, are you targeting um, pieces of this Miami offense other than Tyler Van Dyke? Because other than Tyler Van Dyke, there's not anyone, maybe Keyshawn Smith 
is the next player who's kind of has some value associated with his name. But if we if we went and did a startup it, through 30 rounds and Jalen Knighton, through 30 rounds, those might be the only guys taken. So are you targeting this offense? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Knighton was going to be the guy that I mentioned because he played really good at the back half of last year, too. I think if he's given the shot to be the guy, he, he should produce very well. I mean, outside of him, I mean, maybe maybe Mallory. I, I don't know. I don't really – I mean, I'm not sold on Tyler Van Dyke the way you are. I don't know that Miami is going to be any good, to be honest with you. So, I, 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 I mean, Knighton is the guy for sure that I'd bet on. Um, Van Dyke – I think he'll be okay, but most of the leagues I'm in, I'm in with you, so I'm not getting him because I'm definitely not taking him where you're taking him. So that's about it for me this night. I didn't say I was sold on. I mean, you guys know how humble I am and how I don't like saying I told you so. It's just that with Tyler Van Dyke. <laughs> can, we, can we stage a walkout? <laughs> I said I said back in July that he would be the next Joe Burrow. I mean, well, I was wrong because he didn't have to transfer. All right, let's move on here to – Caleb Williams. Uh, the reports are, according to 24-7, I think from Brad Crawford of 24-7 Sports, wrote something a little bit earlier today that Caleb Williams is going to make his decision soon and that the pri- primary motivation is preparing him for the NFL, not NIL. I think the the speculation early on was he wasn't going to Georgia because they weren't offering him enough money. Well, Brett Crawford spoke to Carl Williams, Caleb Williams' father, and the family is all about getting Caleb Williams ready for the NFL. Well, I mean, Chris Moxley, if we're talking about getting a quarterback ready for the NFL, I mean, it seems like Lincoln Riley is that answer. Why is there this hesitation to get Caleb Williams committed? I mean, is there any reason to doubt that Lincoln Riley offers – a quarterback, the best preparation for the NFL. So Carl Williams is like Joe Jackson of the football world. Like he, like Jackson five, Joe Jackson. Well, I thought we were um, talking shoeless. No. So like he's orchestrated this entire plot around Caleb Williams. And like, they are, they are not messing around with their recruitment. Um, so like way back in the day, a couple of years ago, he had said, if, Oklahoma does not offer Caleb a scholarship. He will walk on and challenge for the starting job no matter what. I'd be surprised if he didn't maintain that because of Lincoln Riley that he does go to USC. And whatever they do, I really believe that it is very calculated. There's like there's no emotion involved in here. They are say they like they are dead serious when they say that. And I don't know if NIL really matters because I think they believe that they are first round pick money first overall pick money and not like 20th overall pick money, which means the NIL probably doesn't really matter at that point. If you believe that going to Lincoln Riley or going to whoever is going to secure you that top five selection. And I think, I think he, that's absolutely fair, but his dad is really the one who has the final say here. Like, I don't think Caleb Williams really has, has much stay say in this process based on what we've seen. It's so easy to say that it's not It's not about, you know, if I couldn't get a scholarship at Oklahoma, I would have walked on as you're sitting there with a scholarship offer in your, in your you know, you have the letter sitting in front of you. Like, I think this was prior, no though. shit, of to course, fair, he said that. To be fair, it was prior to, to the <clears throat> offer. I will, I, will, I will defend that. Hmm. Matt Bruning, we are the only ones that have Caleb Williams ranked number one ahead of Bryce Young 
in our rankings. I mean, the last I looked, you also had Caleb Williams number one. Do you think that he is a potential? <laughs> while while Matthew Ma- Matthew is mouthing the words "wow" because he doesn't like to be in accord with me. So, but no, you, it's you more agree? of I just I realized I must not have updated my rankings anytime soon, and that's a that's a big whoopsies because I told Colin to do it tonight, and I have yet to get to that. Uh, no, he is not my number one quarterback. Bryce Young is. So I apologize. Do you think that okay, Bryce Young is class of twenty twenty three. Caleb Williams, class of 2024. Do you think that he is a potential number one overall draft pick? Yes, uh, I I do think he ends up with Lincoln Riley. I, I I don't really understand any of this stuff going on. I honestly don't care either. Uh, I do think he ends up the only other place he goes. I think at that point, if that's all they really care about is is being a first round draft pick, is going to be with Lane Kiffin. And either way, I think Lane Kiffin can get him to be the overall number one draft pick with with the skill set that he has, and if he continues to develop. On the you know the way that we saw him developing last year at Oklahoma, I, I would not be surprised if he is the number one pick, and I think he has the ability to be that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Caleb Williams needs to develop in as far as the timing aspect of his game because he says set hut, and he immediately goes into I'm about to play backyard football. Now, he is athletic enough to do that, but in order to be an efficient quarterback, he has to develop the strength to hit the timing routes, take the open man, not throw everything deep. So that's one thing that we need to see from year one to year two. Listen, remember where we were this time last year with DJ Uyunglele. I mean, obviously the number one quarter. I just did my rankings today. I couldn't drop him low enough. Uh, you know, he's in the 20s at least for me. I don't know that we'll see that with Caleb Williams because he has the dual threat and aggressive ability, but it's not out of the question. It's not out of the question. All right. Is there a coach that has gotten a more undeserved reputation as a quarterback whisperer than Lane Kiffin? The players that he coached, so he he did two spells at USC. He was at Tennessee for a little bit. I won't blame him for Tennessee at all. And then he was in uh, you know the swamp of Florida. The quarterbacks that he worked with at USC were like John David Booty, Matt Barkley, Mark Sanchez, like guys that did basically, I mean, Sanchez had like a year or two, but like these guys did nothing in the NFL, but they were we're supposed to believe that like everyone's like, Oh, he's going to go to Lane Kiffin and he's going to coach him up and teach him how to go to the NFL. It's like, okay, if his goal is just to get there, sure. But like, if his goal is to be good there, then I don't think I'm going to Lane Kiffin for anything. I mean, they all got drafted fairly highly though. So I can't say, I mean, you want to say that? I mean, Sanchez did one guy. David Booty went in the sixth, and Barkley went in the Ryan fifth or sixth. Day. Ryan like, Day. Just, you know. M- more undeserved? Well, he no, he oh, can't no, because Kyle McCord is going to start there, so Caleb Williams can't start over right. Kyle McCord. Can't, so. We can't see what that and, says. And Chris Moxley, Chris Moxley, hold the Ohio sign State up again. Anymore. Hey, I made it six whole uh, days? Days oh, on Ohio like, State songs. Six. Is that like Chris Moxley sticks? bringing the props. you got to watch this show. Uh, on is that YouTube. six ahead, weeks man. worth though? So is that six weeks worth of not mentioning Ohio State, or is that just like six six shows? That's still <laughs> the, six weeks. That, that's six days since our last show. Zero. Six days it's since our last show. I didn't talk about Ohio State last week, did I? You always do. Yeah, it's you inevitable. Are? I mean, it's not like I've said I'm, a good thing. I made, it. I said I a, made bad a thing. whiteboard for it. Do you think that this is not something that comes up weekly? No, I mean, I think we all pull a lot of nah. shit out of our ass, so I don't know if you just pulled that up. I don't know. It's housekeeping time. Austin, 
I don't know if we should leave you with the responsibility of housekeeping because you are not whipping the people into shape. Like I was thinking if we should give the responsibility to Chris Moxley or Matt Bruning. Matt Matt can be emotional about things. Has anybody Matt gotten a more undeserved now. reputation as a good housekeeping announcer than me? Anybody ever. Have you seen what he's produced over this time doing this? It's terrible. It's terrible. It's worse I mean, than you're, you're, you're quarterbacks. Your bad cop is so nice. I mean, he probably would let people off with like a ticket or something like that. But I mean, all right, Austin, it's housekeeping time. Oh, I, Austin. I do. I do still have to do it. I thought I could get out of it if I did that. I mean, does anyone want to volunteer? Self, self-deprecating. It, can, who can bring a bad cop and whip the people in the shape and get them to do what we need them to do? Austin, what we need them to do is go to the YouTube page and subscribe. We need them to write a five-star rate and review of this podcast. So we can grow the show. What I'm taking notes. Keep going. Um, subscribe to the website. It's campusdecant.com. Listen, we out here, okay? We out here. The format continues to grow. And if you aren't playing in Campus Decanton leagues, then you're doing it wrong. And we are the only website out there that has, I mean, I just did my quarterback rankings. It was 90 deep. It didn't even include, did not even include the freshmen. When I'm where I'm going to rank Devin Brown in the top ten, and I'm going to rank um, Drew Aller in the top ten. I think that those are the only two. Where are you going to rank Quinn Ewers? I'm just curious. It's really it. It really is an interesting <laughs> conundrum because Quinn Ewers, like I don't, I have a problem with him in my freshman rankings, but in yeah. my overall rankings, he has to be like rated high, and I don't know how to deal with that dichotomy. And then I'm going to get called out by Austin. Well, if you have him ranked this one, that means that you would get you would pick him number whatever overall. I'm like, no, I don't really mean that. So um, I don't know what I'm going to listen. Stop distracting me. The people need to. Let, all right. The, last week Austin did this. We got zero reviews, no subscribers to the YouTube page. I want to be better than highfalutin Austin. I need at least two reviews of the show debbie debate two review two five-star reviews rate and review the show and i need at least i think we're almost at 400 subscribers for the youtube page i need to get to 400 by next week and i need five subscribers to the website if you have not if you're listening to this and you have not subscribed to the website i will travel to where you live and punch you in the face if you do not subscribe to the website, that's, that's how you bad okay. cop. That's good. Awesome. That's good. Okay, Austin I got notes. I got notes. Copious. Copious. Go ahead, Chris Mox. Are you, you going to add something? You get, get. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say that if you added maggots at the end there, would have been More perfect. Off. We didn't have – there was not enough insults, I, I don't think. So next next time when Austin does it, maggots is a good one. Um Low life, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, That's mean, though. I want, Ooh, please tweet at Debbie cop. Debate. And please tell me if you can tell the difference between Austin. Actually, Chris Boxley, put it, please uh, tweet it out. Oh, you don't have the, the Debbie <laughs> Debate handle. Please tweet it out. Can you tell the difference between Chris Moxley's, or excuse me, between Austin Nace's good cop and bad cop? I'll tweet it out as soon as we get to a break. All right. Um, Let's move on. Where are we moving on to? We're moving to. We are moving to our looks forward, our early looks forward to uh, the conferences. We started earlier on, I think, with the SEC, and we're and then we had the the bowl games and the conference champions. 
the national championship. And so we are moving on to the ACC. Matt, uh, we'll start here with potential breakouts. So we're covering the ACC plus Notre Dame. Who is your breakout, potential breakout candidate for the ACC? First of all, I'd just like to address the comment in the chat. Uh, you are 100% correct, correct, Delaney. See, here's the thing. Felix just yells at you like an angry mom. Austin comes in as like the disappointed dad, and we all know that that hurts 10 times more. Disappointed dad more than mad mom. Anyways, on to the breakouts. Uh, I went with Dion Colsey for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, 6'3", 200, nice little size speed specimen. He will be a sophomore. Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay, and Avery Davis, I believe, are all leaving. They were the top three receiving options, obviously, outside of Michael Mayer for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, Styles is likely projected to get one of those spots, and I know Austin is very high on him after seeing what he did in the bowl game. But that still leaves another spot open, and I think Colsey is going to get that. He can be a deep threat. He tracks the ball very well. He has track speed. He averaged 16.8 yards a play last year, was highest on the team outside of Austin. His A dot was 14.9, which was the highest on the team last year. Now, I am 100% assuming that this team will open up the offense like we saw in the bowl game. If they don't, this is going to be a horrible call. But if they do open up the offense, I think that Colsey can get uh, enough targets to kind of, you know, break out and have a very good year. I obviously you've got Michael Mayer there who's going to eat a ton of the targets. And then uh, Tyree, who I think is probably going to get a fair amount of receptions as well. But I think uh, Buckner, Buchner, whatever we call him, uh, is going to take over as quarterback and they're going to sling the rock a little bit more and Colsey is going to benefit. We should probably talk more about who's going to start at Notre Dame uh, when we get to the Debbie debates. All right. Um, Austin, you are next. Who is a potential breakout in this conference? You know, I just want to say real quick, Matt, it hurts that apparently you haven't listened to a single show that I've been on in the past week. Uh, you, the Notre Dame doesn't have to open up the offense last year. 27th in the country in total pass attempts and 31st in the country in pass attempts per game. They don't need to open it up more. The door is Fair. already open. Mr. Can Brown. I ask a question? What shows? Yes. What shows? I you went on uh, Dynasty Kings with uh, Mike Valeri. Uh, yeah, Valeri, one of the guys at the site, okay. and talked about it on Campus Life one of the last two weeks as well. So. It wasn't this week because I listened very intently to this week's episode, so it must have been last week's, and I forget what happened like two days ago, so... Apologies for that. So just just to throw that out there. Um, so I almost chose Lorenzo Styles, but I've again have talked about him uh, ad nauseum recently. So I'm going to talk Israel Abanaconda, my pit guy. Hail to Pitt. Um, new offensive coordinator in a pit this year. They lose uh, Whipple. He's going to Nebraska um, to hang out with Scott Frost for a year before Frost gets fired. Maybe he wants to be the next head coach there, and he's angling for that. I don't know. Um, but in comes the offense coordinator from Boston college for the past two years, a guy that has been around the NFL as well as an offense coordinator and a quarterback coach. Um, but he runs the ball. Boston college ran the ball 56 most in the country last year. And of the 376 actual running back backfield touches, they gave, uh, Pat Garwo, their leading rusher got almost 60% of those. Pitt's leading rusher, on the other hand, last year, uh, in terms of pure volume, got 34% of those running back touches. He, uh, this guy likes to consolidate the running back touches a little bit, and I think that's going to mean that Israel Bonaconda is the guy there. This year was their most efficient runner, 
the most explosive runner, um, you know, had, had uh, highest yards per carry, outperformed all of his teammates in that regard, uh, had the most touchdowns on the team, and he caught 24 passes as well. This guy is a bell cow running back waiting to happen. Whipple just refused to use him that way. They get a guy in here who's going to use him like that. 1,400 all-purpose yards and, and 12 to 15 touchdowns is not outside the realm of possibility for this team. I think the offense is still going to be very good at Pitt next year, even without Kenny Pickett. Look at that. I mean, we go from hijinks to hardcore analysis with Austin. I mean, how, go how, can, you not ra- how can you not rate this show? Give it a five stars. All right. Uh, Chris Moxley, who is your potential breakout in the ACC in 2022? So... so- the reason that I have this person as a breakout is because their ADP is way too low. And, and so we got to, we got to let the people know about AT Perry. Wake Forest wide receiver um, posted 1215 this season, 1200 yards, 15 touchdowns on a 31.8% weighted dominator, 2.49 yards per team pass attempt. He's going as wide receiver 43 which is 136 overall in Canvas Can ADP from December. Like, Jakari Roberson has left. Sam Hartman is returning. He's currently be- going behind Jadon Hazelwood, Roma Dunze, Demond Damas, Jordan Whittington. This guy can realistically post 1,500 and the same number of touchdowns or more. I, I think he's a top five, six wide receiver and like in CFF next year. Like, I think he's a pretty good player. Like I think he's could get drafted by the NFL as well. Um, but he's a guy that's just going way too, way too late in drafts. Like, I think he's going to have a monster season and people are going to be, I, not a lot of people are going to see it coming based on his ADP. I, I, I was trying to look it up here and I, I couldn't, but um, Wake Forest has had a very good hi- history of producing players as far as, People who produce in college. Now they don't always translate to the NFL. I, I swear there's like a there was a white guy, a white wide receiver, you know, five, six years ago that people were high, were Craig high Dorch. on. I cannot I cannot remember his name. Greg um, Dorch. Greg Dorch is black, but even before before Greg, even before Greg Dorch, oh, uh, again, a, a white guy, but There's they've always produced. Yeah. Sorry, if you look not all, some of us don't see color on this show, so apologies. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll just look up, look up, look up Wake Forest wide receivers, but they have produced. Chris Moxley, I kind of disagree with you as far as the NFL potential for AT Perry. He drops entirely too many passes, and you quite frankly, go, like, like day three, like round five, six, seven. Like, I don't think he's going I mean, to yeah, two, any, but I think he can get drafted. I put anybody in that round six, seven range, but that I don't think that offense itself lends itself to NFL potential NFL production. I don't believe in Sam Hartman. I didn't believe in Jamie Newman as an NFL asset. I mean, the, the best NFL asset that's going to come out of there is Kenneth Walker. So, uh, it's just because of, I mean, they got these long mesh points that suck up linebackers. It's almost like it's the same reason why Eric Crouch, for those who are old enough to remember. So, Austin, Eric Crouch was this quarterback at Nebraska. Nebraska ran triple option. He won the Heisman, but he wasn't an NFL player. I think he went to, got drafted by the Rams as a wide receiver because you can't run the triple option and then play. That's, that's what I think of with Wake Forest is they kind of have a gimmicky offense, so I don't know that it lends itself to potential 
the for to the potential for the NFL. My potential breakout candidate is one Zach Gibson. Now I've tweeted a little bit about Zach Gibson. He is a, I think he's a third year freshman. He was a freshman at Akron this past season. He has since transferred to Georgia Tech. Now he's going to have to beat out Jeff Sims for this job, but he is a player who moves well in the pocket and he was aggressive. I I liked the fact that he was with Akron and that he could potentially develop with Kanate Mumfield. They could develop together. Kanate Mumfield was also a a, uh, a freshman. I I don't know what he's going to look like at Georgia Tech. I mean, I liked him as a G5 guy. Um, so anyway, but we need to alert, alert people that Zach Gibson transferred to Georgia Tech. There's one other name that I want to bring up, and this is one of – Colin Decker's favorite players last God. season. It wasn't? That means he probably Office. sucks. No, continue. It was, yeah. <laughs> He's it not was, here, uh, but I would say it even if he was. So no, it was uh it was it was Colin De- one of Colin Decker's guys at NC State, Aaron McLaughlin. Now, I always talk about players checking boxes. Aaron McLaughlin is six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds, is woefully inaccurate is woefully inaccurate. I think they've even talked about him on the Campus Visit podcast. And uh, Adam Lewis, a friend of the show, has talked about him. Um, and, and, and Devin Leary is there at NC State and was very, very good. So uh, Aaron McLaughlin is not going to start in 2022, but it's, it's a name to keep tabs on, especially if you're in C2Cs because you get to the 40th round in a startup, you got to have somebody who's going to potentially start. You got to have somebody who could, I mean, if you could turn somebody into a, a potential NFL draft pick that you pick in the 40th round, I mean, you're going to have equity in your NFL team eventually. So Aaron McLaughlin is a name to keep tabs on, but he's not my candidate for this particular uh, category. All right. Matt Bruning, let's move to comeback player of the year in the ACC. Let me start with you. I don't, you don't have a name here on the show sheet, so I'm wondering if you just looked this up and figured out. Oh, oh no, Austin Austin's go, raising his, his hand. We want to know who the Wake Forest guy. Michael was. Campanero. Yes, okay. that's who it was. Michael <laughs> Campanero. That's the, that was the receiver from from uh, Wake Forest. So, like the the layup here is DJU, right? Like that's the the guy who I feel like. What's wrong? The fuck, man! That's what I put on the sheet. Oh, is it? I didn't look at the sheet. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't do. I'm just kidding. Because I gave you the sheet hours ago. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, It's Keaton Slovis. I mean, Austin, you just mentioned they're getting what? I mean, let's realistically think about it. Frank, Austin looks intrigued. So let me me get that with the top of his head. (laughs) Really? You think so? Because why not? 81.1 81.1 QBR as a freshman would be the fourth fourth highest QBR score in this class right now behind Young and Stroud and only 0.1 point behind Spencer Rattler. Whipple leaving Pitt does hurt a little bit, as uh, Austin just mentioned a little bit ago with Israel Abababababakanda, but Frank Signati Jr. coming in, he is a quarterback's coach. He has been a quarterback coach in the NFL and in college, so I do think he can help Keaton Slovis there a little bit. He's got Konate Mumfield coming, Jordan Addison. Like I, I like how you put you think I'm slick. I actually did put Keaton Slovis. I can show you the sheet. Like, I, I just pull all this out of my ass. I'm not that smart. I think I think Slovis rebounds his stock here in a major way. Um, I don't know that he'll ever be that first-round pick that a lot of people talked about him being as a freshman. 
but I do think he could rebound it, um, especially if he doesn't leave after this season. If he stays one more year, uses that COVID designation to get another season in a pit and has a Kenny Pickett-esque rise, uh, I think it would be good. Also should mention he had a total EPA of 185, which is third behind Young and Stroud. So I, I don't know that he ever gets back to what we thought he was going to be as a freshman, but I do think uh, Keaton Slovis can rebound. I can't read what your whiteboard says. Keaton Slovis, why not? Exactly. Why not? Why not? Hey, you got to watch the live show. What a Chris salesman. Foxley, you, he has the props. Austin, you, you had some retort to Matt Bruning's take. No, I just thought he was hilarious. And he was like, watch this. Why not? Like, I don't know if that was the best uh, the best sales job. I mean, there was really – I mean, I feel like I sold it with the QBR, the EPA. He's got the weapons and Addison and Mumfield. Like, I mean, they're really not – I mean, and he can so completely he can change his – we have how many months? We have nine months until college football starts. I mean, he can completely change his answer. All right, Austin, why don't you give us yours? So my answer, as Matt so eloquently already stated, was DJU. Um, no, I'm just kidding. DJU sucks and will always suck. Um, my comeback player of the year, Lavelle Davis Jr. at Virginia, I think is a guy that has just been completely forgotten about. And first off, I don't think Lavelle Davis is an NFL player at all, but I don't necessarily think that matters for this, you know, what like that, award would be um lavelle davis as a true freshman in 2020 there uh, at virginia 20 catches 515 yards five touchdowns was pretty much their uh explosive downfield threat and was really you know their leading receiver um in, in terms of you know what defenses were scheming around the hang up on lavelle davis for those that aren't familiar with him is he's like six seven two ten he's a giant he's basically what He's like he's kind of like Kyle Pitts, but like really scrawny and plays outside and isn't physical at all and isn't going to play in the NFL. So nothing like Kyle Pitts, um, but like that's kind of the player that he's like. Um, and Virginia throws the ball a ton with Brendan Armstrong there. They bring him back. They do bring back um, oh, who the heck's their leading receiver from last year? Um, Wicks. Wicks. But I mean, I think there's space alongside him for somebody to put up a decent year. And there aren't that many candidates. I actually really struggled to think of somebody as I was doing this one so i love all davis fits the bell uh, the bill i suppose really quick luke you're 100 percent correct correct man behind every successful man is a very i don't know how that saying goes a woman so you're uh, some woman i don't remember how the saying your goes. wife could probably come up with it though you're gonna so. get canceled oh. you're she's, gonna get she's canceled. gonna she's gonna my, my wife knows the saying i don't know what the saying is behind every successful man is a because we're we're much woman. better and more successful women. There we go, Moxley. Thank you. I don't, yeah. I don't know how the saying goes. I'm horrible with sayings. Because we are not as good as women. That was my whole point. And his girlfriend is there. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. We're going to mention. So she can help drive him. That's That was my only point. If we're bad. going to mention everyone uh, on Virginia's team, we need to mention Jelani Woods. Uh, a, a transfer from Pitt. Uh, was it Pitt or Florida? I don't know where. I can't remember where Jelani Woods tra transferred from. But he is a, a, a big athletic target. And I think I think that his draft eligibility, or excuse me, his college eligibility was up, and so he might be draft eligible. Regardless, he was very he de productive. He declared. For what he it's declared. Worth. Okay. Yeah. He declared, and he's not at the Senior Bowl. Um, but someone that you should pay attention to, Jelani Woods. I actually tried to trade for him late in the season. I just think that he has the potential to be, you know, a very a very good player player. Uh, especially at tight end where you kind of got to take some shots. All right, uh, let's move on here to who's next. Does Chris, Chris Moxley do his comeback play? Yeah. Um, man, I, I'm not going deep at all. I'm giving really obvious names, sorry. 
I, re- I think Phil Dracovich has a really good year next year. Um, he ended the season with 0.7 EPA per play, which was higher than any season of any draft eligible quarterback this year. He also had 84.9 QBR, which was second highest for any draft eligible quarterback. And that is like every draft eligible quarterback's season leading up to the year. So all five of Kenny Pickett's years, all four of Matt Corral's years, all three of Sam Howell's years, right? Like his 2020, even though it was 2021, even though it was a limited sample, it's like really good. And a lot of that had to do with him opening up the rushing game. I'm really excited to see what he does in, in 2022 that now that he'll be healthy and say flowers comes back. I'm, I think he could be like a really solid player and he had an injury. So he didn't play enough games. I think that's like a comeback player. Like this, like a ripe comeback player story. All right. Uh, Chris Moxley pulling uh, right off the top of the, the heap there. Uh, all right. So, all right, let's move on here to the freshman, the freshman that we think could potentially break out. Matt, Matt Bruning, you have nothing on the show sheet here. So, of course. Uh, very interested to hear. I, your I like answer. to suspense. I like to build suspense. I really could not find one that's not obvious. So uh I just went with um I went with Antonio Martin. Uh running back going to, to Georgia Tech. I mean, I, I mean, I was just trying to yeah, why not? Why not? Why can't he succeed, right? Uh he uh listed at 511-205, as I mentioned, joining Georgia Tech. Uh with in my opinion, not much really there in the backfield now with uh, Jameer Gibbs gone. He's got great contact balance. Um, some of that, though, I think is likely due to the fact that he was much bigger than some of the competition he was facing. He has some speed, however, even though his nickname is Mr. House Call, I do not think he's going to be taking a lot of those runs to the house in uh, at, at uh, Georgia Tech. I don't think he's quite as fast as it shows on there. Again, competition lacking a little bit. He's not going to be burning college defenders to the end zone like he was there. Uh, but he does run with good patience. He is a bruising type running back. They do have Dante Smith and Jordan Yates, um, who both did get a lot of carries, however. Outside of Jameer Gibbs, uh, the other two running backs got a, a 70 and 50 carry. So I think even if they employ all three of them again, I think Martin could end up being the best of them. Uh, he's got the best size, I think, and at the end of the day could uh, end up putting up some pretty decent points for them. So I think overall Antonio Martin could have a very good season for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Is that right? Yellow Jackets? I'm mixing up the mascot. I, I could not. I, I can't believe we got excuse me, that through that analysis without you saying that he had good vision, I was going to tell Austin that he owes me $20, but no, I like his vision is questionable. So I'm not going to say he has good vision. Well, well, I like Antonio Martin also. And, um, for those, I mean, I know that there are a lot of people listening to this who haven't studied the freshman Antonio Martin to me is an explosive bowling ball type and they actually have two freshmen coming in, two, I think, four-star rated prospects coming into Georgia Tech. One is Antonio Martin. The other is uh, Jamie Felix, I believe. The same last name as mine. I liken Antonio Martin to a Jacquez Rogers type. You think about these bowling balls that have good context balance because they're so thick in the lower half. I think that he's that type of player. I wish that I could rank him higher. However, you look at his high school production and it's not elite he does not have elite high school production otherwise i would be ranking him higher but i do like the call of antonio mark and i like his play style i wish i could rank him higher but he wasn't a uh you know that great of a high school producer all right um austin ace who you got as far as a freshman that could have an impact in the acc this year 
And just to give the opposite opinion of that, Antonio Martin is my RB52 in the class, and I have Jamie Felix labeled as do not draft. Um, so those are my rankings of the Georgia Tech running backs coming in. And they do. How's that uh, opposite? How's that opposite? I said I prefer Martin to Felix. I don't like either of them. Um, sorry. Um, they do bring in Hassan Hall from Louisville as well. Just another name that's going to be there in the backfield. Um, not that he's you know ever done much, but just another just another body to overcome. Um, so I purposely didn't put my answer on there because I thought it would mess up the fact that I put DJU on the, the prior answer because I think Cade Klubnik takes his job this year, and Cade Klubnik is who I put down as a freshman here in the ACC. The freshman wide receiver, uh, or yeah, freshman, freshman quarterback going to Clemson there. Uh, I, I was pretty skeptical on him early on, but Alan True has really kind of turned me around on him. He said that he thought, you know, I, basically the 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 book on Kate Klubnick when I watched him the first time, he's kind of just this scrawny little dude back there. Doesn't look like he has an overpowering arm. He doesn't look like he's a particularly creative passer in a day and age where if you can't either outrun defenders or, you know, sidearm and, you know, all sorts of different crazy arm slots, you probably aren't going to make it to the NFL. Uh, but Allen said that when he saw Kate Klubnik play in person for the first time is when he finally got it. Like he just looks much more impressive in person. The ball looks like it has a little more zip, a little more uh, explodes a little more out of his hand. So I'm going to trust his judgment on that. And then he went to the senior bowl and I don't really move these guys around too much based on that, but he looked pretty good in a setting that isn't necessarily set up um, to make quarterbacks look good, like an all-star game where you don't really have a lot of time to you know build a rapport um, uh, with your receivers. So, I, I mean, I, I, he really, really impressed me. I think he can go to Clemson. I think DJU does not recover this year. I think Georgia broke him more or less plus, and, you know, just, you know, it, it never improved. Um, so I think Klubnik has that job by week seven, week eight. Um, with really nobody else there on the depth chart. So that that's my my incoming freshman. Yeah, I like it. Sorry, I had to take myself off, off mute there. Um, all right, ACC, a conference with a, a lot of firepower. Um, Chris Moxley, I, I like your answer, but we're going to have to talk about that depth chart overall. So why don't you give us yours? Yeah, I, I like George Petaway. Uh, he's heading to North Carolina this year. I think he's a guy who could immediately seize a role. So he actually had a lot of interesting offers in Joe's UNC. Uh, Bam offered him, Michigan offered him, Florida offered him, Penn State, Auburn, uh, Oregon. He was down to, I believe, Florida, Oregon, Penn State, Penn and State. UNC. Yeah, before choosing um, the Tar Heels. He can. He also has a frame to add weight, so he's not like super big right now. But I think he can get up to like two hundred five, uh, and he's already a pretty decent pass catcher. So like, it's not amazing, but he's like pretty good, and, and good enough, I think, to do um, at least operate in that role early. And I think he's a pretty willing pass pass blocker. Uh, he needs to add a little bit of strength, but I think that will come with like improving his frame. That is not a depth chart that I'm particularly scared off of either so they have ty chandler who this was his last year of eligibility dj jones who caught 12 passes for them last year the only other running back that caught a pass he's a junior heading into uh 2021 so i i'm or 2022 i'm operating as if he's the gonna be like probably the main guy i'm not scared of british brooks i'm not scared of caleb hood i'm not scared of elijah green i'm not scared of josh henderson 
Kamaro Edmonds couldn't give it getting even on the field last year. I think that between the four backs that they've recruited in the last two cycles, George Pedway is my favorite. And, and so I think he is the best of those four. And I think he's someone who can move into a, maybe like a one B role halfway through the season. And like, I think it's going to be good enough to get him on radars pretty quick. Cause I think he's a good player and he, he's a really patient runner. And I think he has physical tools to allow himself, uh, like if he does book up to like be a really interesting player too. Like I'm real, I'm really high on him. Like I'm higher than I think most are. I know Austin really likes him as well, but I'm really excited for him at, at North Carolina because they've recruited really well too on the offensive line. So I think that he can excel there. I like, I like, I like George Petaway too. And there was something about Petaway's running style that reminded me of Aaron Jones, not Aaron Jones with the Green Bay Packers, but Aaron Jones at UTEP. Uh, and I am making that distinction, kind of a skinny, darting physical runner. I don't know. There's something about him that reminded it. But we got, we have to talk about Amari and Hampton, um, who was the North Carolina Gatorade player of the year after running for 2,600 yards, who has ideal size, who can truck players, but he just is not the athlete that you all want. I'm sorry. Matt Bruning is shaking his head. Uh, Austin Nace is sitting there looking all, you know, all what? skeptical all what? of Amarion Hampton. But but Amarion Hampton uh, is mm. in the Javante uh, Williams mold, and we know how schools like to recruit similar style players. And if there was a Javante Williams in this class, it would be Amarion Hampton. So and all three of these jamokes here are looking at me with skeptical looks. So that's fine. I'll just bookmark this episode and and we'll we'll, we'll come back around and I will be getting apologies from you uh, after he yes. runs for we, we you know, sure you know, I'm sure you will victory lap in when he gets like the no, best YPA I'm, in the ACC like mine Williams no, did in the Big Ten. No, no. With I'm very humble. I'm very humble. I hate I hate saying I told you so. I hate saying I told you so. I don't like tooting my own horn. And and we appreciate that about you. We really do. We really do. Well, I, I will say that I just went to look up the last several North Carolina Gatorade players of the year to rub it in Felix's face. And one of them was Will Shipley and one of them was Sam Howe. So I kind of so. torpedoed that. that, uh, that, <laughs> that I was going to to full disclosure. Full disclosure. I don't I don't think that Pedway and Hampton are in the same like I don't think they're close no. personally. Like I, I, I had I think oh. Pedway's so like a much better player in a lot of different aspects. Oh my goodness. What year of our Lord? What is it? What what's um, today's date? What is today's date? Die, it's it's just, it's the nineteenth. January nineteenth, ten thirty one. Somebody bookmarked this so we can play this later on. I what did you say, Chris? Say it again. Say it again for the people. I, they're not in the same tier of players for me. Like they're not close. Correct. I, I mean, I, I honestly think you're the only far one far. at the at the site, Felix, that has Petaway. David likes him too, I think. But I think Petaway. No, he likes uh, Hampton. No, he likes uh, Petaway. Oh, he, he prefers Petaway. I say he likes yeah, yeah. Hampton. But I... Yeah, yeah, he prefers Petaway though. Everybody prefers Petaway except for Felix. And okay. technically, there's another person. I just wanted to get Chris but... Moxley on record in a very clear audio so we can play it later on. All right, I think that is it for the freshman. It is. All right, boys. I haven't said this in a long time. Are we ready for the Debbie debates? Yes, sir. Yeah. Everyone never knows this out there. Bring them so. on. Bring them on. Oh, my goodness. Someone, when I say, are we ready for the Debbie debates, 
It's you guys' job to respond and enthusiastically and say yes. We're, we're just following Austin's, you know, lukewarm cop. Just been like, let's, let's do this, guys. Let's do it. Well, yeah, fine. Gee, Matt Bruning, you have you're going to start with this answer first. Is there a better quarterback in the ACC than one Tyler Van Dyke? Yes, Phil Dracovic. That's, that's all I needed to say. Phil Dracovic. No, that's it. I've got nothing anyone to say. Care to resp- anyone care that's to jump bad. in? Is he right, Austin? Austin's shaking his head. I would prefer Tyler Van Dyke, I think. I don't I don't like Phil Dracovic that much. I think he's overrated. Now, I'm trying not to be clouded too much by the shell of a player that he was at the end of the year when they clearly rushed him back for no reason because Boston College, what, they wanted to finish above 500. Um, so, I, I mean, I might be, uh, you know, a little you know, a little affected by that, but I just don't think Phil Jakurvik is that good. I don't, I've never watched him and thought that he's particularly accurate, that he's particularly great at pushing the ball downfield, that he's, you know, particularly, he's mobile enough. He's a guy that I'm going to be fine taking in the third round of the draft. And he can be a Mason Rudolph on a team for, you know, a backup for, for five to seven years or whatever. I, I don't see an NFL guy there. Tyler Van Dyke, I think has a lot of stuff to work on. The one game I was watching, he had a huge stat line. He had this one touchdown where he he completely just d- does not read the underneath coverage at all, and he throws it, and the linebacker just lets it hit off his head, and it pops straight up in the air, and a dude goes up and catches it for a touchdown. Like he, he had a, he had that kind of stuff happen a lot last year, um, but I still would like rather like he's the mystery box versus the boat that is Phil Jakovic, but the that boat's not very nice, so I'll take the mystery box and hope that it's a nicer boat than Phil Jakovic. Uh, shout out to Delaney Lackey, who has signed up for campusdecant.com. That is what I'm talking about. Austin, you did not answer the question. Is there a better quarterback in the ACC than Tyler Van Dyke? Oh, um, Kid Klubnik. All right, you heard Kate it here. Klubnick. All right, we got one. We got we got Amarian. We got George Petaway over Amarian Hampton. And we've got Cade Klubnik over Tyler Van Dyke. Do I have to rationalize the fact that if I had to rank them today, though, I would probably rank Tyler Van Dyke higher. No, 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 no. Do I, I don't, don't have to, to rationalize say, to that? Hedge. Okay. Austin, okay, Austin hedging, hedging as much as he can. Don't try to hedge. Chris Moxley, is Zay Flowers a day two NFL draft pick? I think he's a round three guy. Uh, heading into the year, I think he could have gone round two. Um, I, Whenever a guy doesn't declare it and heads to back to a power five, conference as a senior like it really throws up red flags because it to me it's the nfl <laughs> it's a lot. We, yeah we're yes exactly we're not really that interested in you and i do think flyers is good enough to get drafted round three because i think he'll have a good year really good year this year i need two really strong years to start off but uh, i don't think he's going around two I, I i'd be surprised if he went around I, I guess i'd be surprised if he went day three though i think he's good enough and i i don't think that i I don't want to get off like a different topic here, but I think the 2023 wide receiver class is like a lot weaker than people are giving it credit for. And so I think he could settle in somewhere in the top 10 and that's going to be a day two pick. Day, day two, Austin. I don't think I would take him day two personally. I think like Jakovic, he has a lot of holes in his game. I think he's an inconsistent separator. I don't know that he that he can, you know, win on the boundary all the time. I don't think he's a dynamic enough player to play in the slot. I don't know that he's great enough with the ball in his hands. He's flashed it a couple times, but, but again, not consistently 
Like, I just don't look at him and think that he does anything particularly well. He's basically dollar general brand, like Chris Olave, like that kind of player. Like, I just think he's significantly worse at everything. Um, smooth, smooth kid. But I mean, I don't, he's not a guy that I'd be happy if my team took on day two at all. And I won't take him. I mean, I, without knowing how the class looks, probably before the 208, the 209. Is he better than like Deami Brown? I don't think he is. And Deami Brown's a guy that struggled in the NFL. I think they have some of the similar issues. Like they just aren't very physical players. I don't know if they can overcome that. I want the record to reflect that Austin A said um, he's like Chris Olave. He's not particularly good at anything. And Matt Bruning shook his head in agreement there. Uh, so Matt Dollar Bruning I've, noted, I've noted Ohio never, State hater. Never, never propped up Chris Olave. Like, I don't understand why. All right. Uh, let's move on here to true or false, Chris Moxley. Will Shipley, is he the only fantasy-relevant Clemson Tiger in 2022? Like CFF relevant? I mean, we're also trying to develop players for our NFL teams. And so do you think that – are you telling me you're going to pick uh, Cade Klubnick to be a potential day one, day two NFL draft pick this early? Cade Klubnick's the only Clemson Tiger I'm really interested in owning. Um, I like Collins a little bit too, but, I mean, I'm not going out of my way really to um, roster anybody – like it has to be a value to get anybody outside of Shipley and Klubnik who I've had the same come to Jesus moment that Austin has on Klubnik. Like I was really worried about his arm strength and like, he's got deep touch. That's like really impressive. And, and so I, he, I, I, I think Klubnik's the only other guy. I, I don't know if club is going to take the job and be fantasy relevant enough, like for your seat, like CFF leagues, but Will Shipley will be, I think Will Shipley is going to have a good year. Matt Bruning, is there anybody on, Clemson's team that you want to roster outside of Will Shipley, whether it be Kate Klubnick or Bo Collins or Dakari Collins, any of, is there anybody that you want to roster and unmute, go ahead and unmute yourself and let us know. Yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Bo Collins. I, I don't, DJ is not going to bounce back completely, but I do think getting rid of Tony Elliott is Elliott is a positive. Uh, I, I, I actually think that the Clemson offense might bounce back a little bit. I think he could be the benefactor of that. So I, I'd still be fine with him. I don't know what his ADP is at the moment. I haven't really looked at any of our ADP data of late, but it would be those three. It would be him, Club Nick, and, and Chipley would be the only three I'd want to roster. Austin, I think that this is the most fun question tonight because if the answer to this question is yes, that mean, to me, that means college football is fun. And that question is, over under uh, 500 yards rushing for Tyler Buchner in 2022. I was just trying to pull up the list of players that hit that this year, but I couldn't do it, you know, with like a 30-second runway. Um, no, I don't think he hits 500 yards. Um, like, taking out the sacks, I'm assuming you're meaning, or you mean like including sacks, he goes over 500. I mean, either way, I think what we're seeing is like, is this player going to be either starting or, or in a, an Anthony Richardson type role where they're playing a lot and playing and being utilized a lot in the rushing game? Yeah, I'm going to say no. He doesn't hit it. Uh, he'll get three fifty to four hundred. Um, I think they're trying to get him to run less. If I, last year was any indication, um, so I just don't think he quite does, you know, gets the the rush volume. I think they're in his ear. Like Ryan Day 
saying, please do not run, if I had to guess. I I mean, the last time this guy played college football, or excuse me, high school football, I think he ran for over 1,600 yards, and you see him like just taking off and in kids not being able to – I mean, this is a very athletic player. Is it hyperbole to say that he could potentially be a thousand yard rusher at some point in his collegiate career? Yes. That uh, so, is really hard. That's to, answer really your, to answer your question, Austin, 30, 30 quarterbacks did it last year, not counting uh, sacks. 30 quarterbacks rushed for over 500 yards. Okay. 21 without sacks. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at it without. No, I'm looking at it without sacks right now. Without not counting sacks. Sorry, 20, 20 with sack yardage. My with bad. sacks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thirty of them. The lowest. The lowest breaking the 500 mark was Will Levis. He crossed. What was it? Where'd it go? 516 yards. Max Dugan missed it by three. Technically, the think. next two below him barely missed. Uh, Max Dugan. Then maybe I'll change my box. answer. Maybe I'll change my answer then with that information. If it's that um, easy to do. Well, I mean, Matt and Chris, you looked at the stats. Are you taking over under 500 yards for Tyler Buchner? Yeah, I mean, I I was taking the over before I looked at that. And yes, I I do think he's going to be the starter. I know Austin has brought up some interesting points about what could happen with the quarterback position. I don't know that he's going to be wrong on that. Uh, But I I don't think Notre Dame's as bad. If they open up the offense, or Austin mentioned that the offense has actually been fairly good. I think if Buchner gets that gets that starting spot, that he's going to run sometimes even without designed runs, like we saw a a la Will Levis do, who over did get over 500 yards. So I do think there's a shot that he gets it because they do have a good offensive line as well. Yeah, I think he could do it. He was really successful running this year, um, yeah. like in, in limited snaps. Like he he really showed off some wheels and mobility that I thought was really impressive. I I love Tyler Buchner. I'm I'm really excited for him. Um, and looking at the guys who crested 500 yards. Um, like Will Levis is a good example. Adrian Martinez, like I think he has that kind of mobility with a much yeah. better offensive line. Chase Garbers did it. So I mean I mean, yeah, this, I, that's this the one list. that I saw on the list. I was like, yeah, no, he can do that. That's easy. This list is very I don't... like Spencer Sanders is way up there with over six hundred rushing yards. Like, there's a lot of very weird quarterbacks on this list that broke that mark. I don't want to ostracize the audience because I, I know that there are some people who don't follow college football that closely. And Tyler Buchner did not play as, as much as he uh, – he didn't play very much for Notre Dame last year. But we're talking about the type of athleticism like uh, like Anthony Richardson or like Kyler Murray or like – you know, Adrian Martinez feels like a, like a pejorative in, in some respects. But, no, he has that type of – <laughs> that type of ath- athleticism. And when we get these running quarterbacks out here, it's very fun to watch them. And if they're starters, they are very valuable. Caleb Williams, they're very valuable for fantasy football. So, um, uh, but if you're just starting C2Cs, Tyler Buchner is going to be somebody who's probably drafted in the first, I don't know, eight, eight rounds or so, of, definitely first eight, probably the first five rounds or so um, of your drafts because people are out there are really high on them. Austin, and, and you've studied this Notre Dame backfield. Who is the – I mean, there are a lot of guys in this Notre Dame backfield after Kyron Williams leaves. There's Audric Estime. There's uh, Styles. There's there's a freshman coming in this year. Who is the back to own to roster uh, in that Notre Dame backfield? 
the two guys there not named Audric Estime. Um, Estime is not very good. I like barely think he's, I don't even think he's a P5 quality running back. Um, he looks like he ate all the other running backs, but that's like all he's got going for him. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty decent split. Actually, I just was doing a write up on Logan Diggs. Um, and I was like, I was getting pretty high on Logan Diggs. Then I watched that bowl game and I know it was Oklahoma state. Oklahoma state made a lot of teams look really, really bad rushing the football this year, but he really struggled. They, they were kind of making him think about things behind the line of scrimmage and he was not processing very quickly and was, you know, the, the feet were not moving and he, he was pretty poor Uh, and Chris Tyree really outperformed him, not on the ground, but it's because he caught like nine passes for 150 yards. And that's kind of the problem there is that Tyree is always going to eat into that production because of how dynamic he is, especially in space. So I think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split. I actually want both of them. But it, I, earlier when I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, Logan Diggs is a 60%-ish type, you know, carries guy. And I, I'm not quite sure that's going to be the case, actually. I think the, the staff wants to get them both involved. I want to thank everybody who checked into the live show today. I mean, we had a great audience today. The Undroppables are here. I'm pretty sure that's Kyle. Luke always here. Delaney. Nice to see you. More people in the live show. More people in the live show. Um, but congratulations to you men and women who were in the in the chat today. We really appreciate you. Um, check out all of the content around the Campus to Canton family. The YouTube page. The, uh, the Discord. Get in the Discord. Of course, the podcast. Campus Life Canton Bound. We go all of year, all year round, including uh, Debbie Debate. We've got more stuff coming for you. Listen, Campus to Canton, the website, it's growing. It's becoming a thing. We're getting noticed. You want to be a part of it in 2022. Trust me. But that's going to be our show for tonight. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon. For Matt Bruning, for Austin Ace, for Chris Moxley, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro! And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. 
Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.